Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study every single day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word, usually only about 13 or 14 minutes. But it's important for our faith to stay in God's Word because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. But also being in God's Word helps us to continue to be a student of God's will for our lives. So, He gave us his word for a reason, to develop and grow in our faith, but also to guide us in his will as to how he wants us to live our lives before him. We always encourage you, help people in your life grow in their faith. Help them understand God's will for their life by sharing these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. Make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study on baptism. There is not a much more, well, other than if you talk about Jesus being God the Son, our Lord and Savior, sent from heaven to this earth as the perfect sacrifice as he died on that cross to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, baptism might be the next most fundamental doctrine of New Testament Christianity that we can find in the New Testament. Because baptism has to do with our coming into Christ, coming to God through Christ. But there's tremendous confusion over the subject of baptism in churches on such a widespread basis that claim to be Christian. And what we've really been focusing on to this point is what is the mode or the action of baptism? because you have baptism being practiced in three or four different ways by churches that call themselves Christian. You know, in one case, they will sprinkle some water on a person and call that baptism. In another case, they will pour some water over a person's head and call that baptism. And I believe also in some cases, you'll have a priest who will dip his fingers in some water and rub it on somebody's forehead, perhaps most of the time a baby, and call that baptism. And then you have churches that believe and practice baptism by complete immersion in the water, being completely submerged beneath the water. Well, which is correct. There's really no need for confusion. And we've gone into great depth and detail and emphasis to explain that and to get it across. The word in the Greek did not mean sprinkling. It did not mean pouring. It did not mean rubbing your fingers on somebody's head, some water on your fingers on somebody's head. It meant, and it only meant, immersion. There's no reason for the confusion. But when you go all the way back to the King James translators in the early 1600s, the practice of sprinkling was what was predominant in that domain, in that kingdom, and not just there, but over much of the world, because the Catholic Church was practicing sprinkling for baptism. The Church of England, and that was the official government-sanctioned church of England, they practiced sprinkling. So when the translators came to that particular word in the Greek, and that was Koine Greek, when they came to that word baptizo, that word they understood. I, think, I don't think there's any question in our mind that they, they understood that word to mean immerse. 
but they were between a rock and a hard place. They did not translate it sprinkle. They did not translate it pour. They made up a new English word. They transliterated the characters from the Greek word into English equivalent letters, and they made a brand new word, baptize. There had never been that word in the English language before. Now there was. And so they left it open to the individual who would read that word in their translation, the King James Version, and decide what baptism really meant. Was it sprinkling? Was it pouring? Was it immersion? Well, everybody was practicing sprinkling pretty much. So they accepted it to mean that. But there are different words in the Greek for sprinkle and pour. The word baptizo in the Greek is unique. For sprinkle, it's rentizo, completely different word. For pour, it's keo, a different word completely. Baptizo is immerse. Now, in pursuit of truth, and we've emphasized that Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And he said in verse 81, if you abide in my word, that is, live by my word, by my teachings, then you are my disciples, or you are my disciples indeed. So if we want to be a true follower of Christ, a Christian, a true Christian, we've got to follow the teachings, the very words of Jesus laid out for us in the scriptures. And knowing that truth of the scriptures, that, and obeying those, those scriptures, that sets us free from the guilt and condemnation of our sin. Baptism is central to that being set free. So in pursuit of the truth, let's ask the question. Jesus asked, regarding John's baptism. What did he say? From whence does it come? From heaven or of men? Matthew 21 and verse 25. Now, any religious question can be viewed in that particular light. Is this particular doctrinal teaching, whatever it might be, in those churches calling themselves Christians, is it from heaven or is it from men? What about the subject of baptism? Is sprinkling for baptism, is that from heaven or is it from men? It's from men. It's not from heaven. The word in the Greek did not mean sprinkle. It meant immerse. Is pouring for baptism from heaven or from men? It's from men. It's not from heaven. It's not God's word. Again, we've emphasized this so many times in our today's Bible class studies. When you change God's word, it's no longer God's word. It's your word. So sprinkling for baptism, that's not, that's not from heaven. That's not from God. That's from man. Man did that. Pouring for baptism, that's not from heaven. That's not God's word. That's man's word. So any religious question can be understood from this particular line of reasoning. Each, each New Testament, what will we call it? Each Christian doctrine, depending on what church you're talking to, whatever they claim to be doctrine in their church, it's either authorized in Scripture 
or it is made up by men in that church. And it was added then after the scriptures were written. So it's not God's word if that's the case. It's their word. The Bible clearly warns against making changes to God's word. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19 warns directly, emphatically, against changing God's word in any way. I want to read that particular text of Scripture. Now, I know we've done this before, but I want to reemphasize it. And here you come toward the end of the New Testament Scriptures, and here's the warning. But this does not stand alone. It's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2, Deuteronomy 12 and verse 32, and Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6. So here John writes in Revelation 20, 22, verses 18 and 19, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now again, that's an emphatic, very direct, easy to understand statement. You don't change God's word by adding something to it or by taking something away from it. And as I said, you go back to Deuteronomy toward the beginning of the scriptures, chapter 4, verse 2, chapter 13, verse 30, uh, 12, verse 32, uh, it says the same thing. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, about in the middle of the scriptures, says the same thing. And here, right at the end of the scriptures, it says the same thing. It is not okay to tamper with God's word. It is not okay to change it in some way to suit ourselves. Nadab and Abihu tried in the Old Testament to change God's instruction as to simply the source of the fire that they would use in, uh, on the altar. And they found out too late that God was not pleased with that. He was not okay. And they were struck dead. Is it any safer today to trifle with God's word? Salvation is promised to those who trust and obey the word of God. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. Not to those who are given to change God's word. That's condemned over and over and over again in the scriptures. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. People call themselves Christians who are not obeying basic, fundamental Christian doctrines laid out in Scripture. They're changing them. That's not okay. Jesus said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, is going to be in heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Don't gamble with your soul's salvation. Now, again, all scholars, I've never read of a single scholar that has gone back 
and examine the Greek word baptizo. The original word in the New Testament for baptize and did not understand it to mean immersion. Even those who practice pouring and sprinkling in their denominations do not argue that immersion, immersion is what the word originally meant. Now, how do we stay safe? How do we stay true to God's word? We simply obey it. We simply live by it. Do not blindly follow any religious teacher. Check out what the Bible says for yourself. Jesus did not go to John to be sprinkled or to be poured. He went to be immersed. That's what the word means. Now, we're going to continue on, and we're going to broaden the scope of our study on baptism next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to understand clearly the teachings of your word, and they are very understandable, and help us to submit our will to your will by obeying those teachings. Please help us, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.